Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 239th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. It's officially portal season. Oh, yeah. Really? Transfer portal. Yeah, it's hot. Hot and heavy. Yeah. Transfer portal. Stuck up on us this year. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I like mm-hmm. being occupied with other things at the beginning yeah. of March. Yeah, in previous in years, it's like I'm like desperate for it. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What all do we have to talk about? Um, we have a little bit of football news and some players that have departed Mizzou basketball, a player that is joining Mizzou basketball, and maybe some potential other transfers that might be in the mix. Before we get to all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and of course you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Kyle, we just have a few football things uh, to mention before we move on to uh, basketball transfer portal and all that. Mizzou hired a new offensive line coach, Brandon Jones, previously of Houston, uh, old offensive line coach, went to Purdue, is that right, to coach with uh, Ryan Walters, and so now we've got former Houston O-line coach and co-offensive coordinator, Brandon Jones. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a solid hire. Um, I think sometimes with position coaches, it's just good to make a change. I, I think that I think the offensive line just had been a little stale production wise. I think the talent's there. Uh, I think Jalen Foster is probably one of the best tackles in the SEC. He probably should be in the NFL right now. Um, so there's there's clearly a lot of talent to work with. So I'm excited to see what a new coach can do to maybe kind of stir up the sense of urgency a little bit and uh, get these guys to perform better than they have been um, because they uh, are going to be needed this year. Yeah, I was kind of looking at um, Coach Jones and his coaching history. Uh, no real connection to anybody else on the Mizzou staff. Seems like in the Drinkwitz era, there's always some kind of connection. They coach together you know, at Auburn or NC State or something. Uh, no real connection there, but it seems like he had just kind of been super solid at Houston and had earned more responsibilities over the years. He was there for four seasons, had uh, uh, numerous all-conference players on the offensive line. He sent two offensive linemen to the NFL in his time at Houston, and um, it is worth noting that a guard from Houston's offensive line who was all-conference last season Cameron Johnson is in the transfer portal and has an offer from Mizzou. So that would be nice, mm-hmm. um, even though not a Power 5 conference, but a all-conference offensive lineman. If Mizzou could add him with a familiar coach, get things going early, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, and that's like probably the biggest area of opportunity, too, is just on the interior of the line. I think we're pretty set with with Foster and Marcellus Johnson on the, on the outside on, on, as tackles. I think we're set there. But Missouri's going to need some help in the on the interior, in my opinion, and so I think that that would be awesome if he'd want to follow his coach. Um, it's a little, you know, four years at Houston—that's kind of a long time to be offensive lineman coach in one place anywhere. Uh, so it's, I'm curious why. Um, I mean, maybe he just liked it there, and never looked for any other opportunities to 
to move up, but you know, this is a chance for him to get into the SEC and maybe can open up some opportunities for him down the road. He did get that co-offensive coordinator title added. I'm assuming that came with a pay raise at some point. Probably. So, uh, but yeah, welcome aboard coach Jones. Um, as we were kind of, uh, looking through the week of Mizzou football, obviously not a whole lot going on right now, except what we did find was there's like a little bit of rumbling about, oh, maybe this is shaping up to maybe be a special season for Mizzou football. You've been hearing a little bit of this? Yeah, I have seen some some podcasts out there talking about how uh, Missouri has a lot of talent returning on the defense. And so that's obviously a very easy thing to point to is like returning talent and you know, Missouri's defense was a lot better last year than I think anybody thought, maybe even including us. And we were really high on them coming into the season. So, yeah, um, yeah Missouri's defense far surpassed expectations. They pretty much held on to everybody and only added to it, really. So, um, yeah, expectations are going to be high. And uh, it makes sense that, you know, maybe people on the outside are, have started to notice that a little bit. Yeah. So when I'm thinking about this a little bit and thinking about kind of the hype train spinning up, I think two things. First of all, for me personally, way too early. Like if I start getting excited about Mizzou football in March, April, that's scary because it's a long time till the season kicks off and I won't know what to do with with myself. Also, um, I can't help but think about the question marks on offense and just how no offense in the Drinkwitz era has really put it all together and been like, you know, the, the show basically. Yeah. And I just feel like I have my reservations until we see that. Yeah. And, you know, we still have a quarterback battle. Don't know what's going to happen there. And I would be all aboard. I would be starting the hype train, getting it going, getting it revved up. If we had a little bit more, assurance on the offensive side i think that's fair um yeah i think having an offensive coordinator there are things that kind of give me hope and maybe that's fool's gold a little bit um because i think your point is is completely valid you know we're we're three or four years into this thing and uh for a coach that's been known for his offensive prowess it's we've been it's been pretty disappointing um however there has been just enough change from you know in this offseason that makes you think like okay this this is something that could point to uh, to something different, a little bit more talented quarterback. No matter who wins the job, whether it's Garcia or Horn, I think there's going to be a little more pedigree in there, a little more talent. Um, I would guess I'm not completely writing off Brady Cook, but I, I I kind of am. And at the same time, if we got much from our defense last or got much from our offense last year, I think we we probably could have won a few more games. So um, I think it's that it's the we were in some close games last year, some games we probably should have won and didn't, and then a lot of returning players on defense. Um, but absolutely the question mark remains on offense and that quarterback. And everybody's pointing to that Georgia game. Yes. And how Missouri gave Georgia the best game they got all year. Which is absolutely true. Yeah, and I love that. That's fantastic. And it it hurts a little bit because it was so close and Missouri oh, should have won that game. It hurts. But I also feel like even i don't know if missouri had won that game uh, they're still a seven win team you might still end up in the same bowl game we're already in yeah (laughs) i don't know it would and maybe i'm just too pessimistic but i would they would just feel fluky to me in the way that 
a one, a, you know, the number one team in the country losing often does. But, uh, man, we need one of those, I think. Uh, Drinkwitz needs one of those. Not necessarily number one team Georgia level win, but uh, after so many six and six seasons, you know, two in a row, we got to do something a little bit different. And, and, and you're right, though. The little changes every offseason, the new additions, you know, recruiting classes, quarterbacks, an offensive coordinator, that sort of thing, it is just enough of a reset to be like, okay, well, they've got the pieces. They've got the right minds working on this. This will be the season they figure it out. Yeah. I think it'll happen. I don't necessarily know it'll be this year. And it's purely the quarterback situation that keeps bumping this timeline back year after year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and we're going to be talking about this for months, but I may be a little too high on, on, uh, Kirby Moore and what he brings to the table as an offensive coordinator but I am excited just about the changes in general about just a fresh perspective with guys who are talented I I just hope that that will bring something a little bit different than what we've seen I'm close to boarding the hype train March a little too early for me hey, it's almost April yeah April a little early for me. I hear you though I mean it's like we get to July and I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm miserable. Start getting I'm, the shakes. I'm thinking about, uh, yeah, I'll get the shakes. I'm thinking about football too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll stop talking about football for now. That's we'll fine. talk about basketball. Um, Mizzou basketball almost lost a coach recently. CY almost left. Seems like he was close to leaving. Yeah. I think he pretty much would have if it wasn't for some pretty unusual circumstances yeah so temple has had a opening that they were trying to fill uh, i think the uh, penn state assistant actually is now is the guy that they hired uh fisher uh, who's i think from philadelphia who cares nobody cares but cy was at the top of their list or right near the top of their list and he was listening to them but don't worry Everything's fine. Don't even trip. He's coming back to Mizzou. He even tweeted saying he's can't wait to see what this staff can do over the years, plural. So that means we won't have to talk about this until yeah. next offseason. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll never have to talk about this again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you got to love that tweet. Um, you know, I don't think that it's like he was, you know, annoyed. He was having to come back to Missouri to be an assistant coach. I think he, I'm sure he loves, you know, coaching with Dennis and, um, being a part of a, of a program that's on the rise, that's, that's gotta be fun. And he'll have plenty of opportunities. And, um, I think it's, I think it was smart to not take an opportunity if he felt like there was any chance, you know, he was walking into something kind of unstable, which it sounds like temple has a little bit of instability right now. Yeah. No university president that would probably give any coach pause before they, uh, signed a deal. And I don't know, I think you, when you're uh, a fan of Missouri or any program and you look at the assistant coaching pool, you look at the staff and you think, okay, yeah, if we're good enough, some of these guys are going to go on to bigger and better things. Yep. But we kind of have an advantage there because CY already tried that at Georgia Southern and got fired after four seasons, didn't do so great. And so as much as I think he could go somewhere and succeed – his resume uh, as a head coach hasn't been the best. Right. So that's another thing that will potentially keep him in Columbia when he might have other opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. But he's shown that he's a good enough recruiter and stuff to 
get a shot. This won't be the last time sure. that we have this conversation, I think. Yeah, and when Dennis got his, his extension, uh, I guess like a month ago or whenever that was, it sounded like they increased the assistant pool as well. So yeah. he got a little little bump there as well. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't know. If, you're, uh, if your assistant coach's names are floating out there for head coaching jobs, that means you're doing something right. I feel like it's more of a worry on the football side. For some reason, I feel like nobody in college football is content being an assistant everybody wants to be a head coach somewhere and i feel like with basketball maybe it was just because maybe the conzo era was an outlier in this but it felt like none of the assistants had any interest in being a head coach like that was we, we never had these conversations that was definitely an, an outlier 100 percent. and but i would also say nobody wanted them to be their head coach is is also part of that yeah which yeah i mean the guys he hired were there when he was fired. Yeah. That is, and he was there, he was how long? Four or five seasons at Missouri? Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever really thought about that. Yeah, not ideal probably. Yeah, you think uh, before the coach gets fired. Except for Michael Porter Sr. Yeah. That, but, really, that doesn't count. Yeah, no. Before a coach gets fired, you think they would, one of their assistants had has gotten hired away. Or they fired one of them just to, you know, get the fans off their back a little bit, make a change just for the sake of change. Probably because they weren't recruiting. They were, ha- they were content to not do anything. Okay, I should stop. I should stop <laughs> saying that. I mean, uh, recruiting is better now. Is this a public podcast? Recruiting is better now than it was then. We know that. Um, okay, so CY is back. No, no worries there. Don't even trip. Uh, but... Two guys that are not going to be back next year, Mohamed Diara and Ronnie DeGray. So two forwards, two front court players that are departing. We knew this was going to be an area of need this offseason. Uh, we were inviting a big man transfer into the program. Mizzou's staff has been in contact with several of them. So we kind of anticipated something was going to have to happen here with the forwards. Mm-hmm. And that was already like even with all those guys on the roster it was already an area of of opportunity an area of weakness really yeah. and i i oh, i think we knew ronnie degray was was going to transfer he did, just really didn't play a lot this year but diara was a guy that was i was kind of on the fence about i, I could have seen uh either way yeah and now so yeah degray transferring is not a surprise um he wasn't getting any minutes and also has already been recruited over basically mm-hmm. um at the forward spot now, Diara played very significant minutes um, in conference play in the postseason and showed flashes. I mean, if we want to take a minute to just talk about him in his one year at Mizzou, he definitely showed flashes of potential that intrigued me. There was always something that wasn't quite there. There was a, I don't know, if uh, if I said like just overall awareness on the floor it seemed like something was missing sometimes because he would just it was consistency really he would make these splash plays an incredible pass for an open shot or you know fighting for a rebound that was unlikely or something like that and then the next time down the floor throw the ball away or Mm -hmm. just take an insane shot yeah that didn't make any sense yeah he definitely had some offensive skills that like nobody else on the team had and at, like you said just every once in a while we've just see something where he would just drive in from the perimeter and like you know spin around a guy and lay it in or you yeah know, 
or something like that, um, where he would he made some threes at, at you know at the time. So yeah, you know, after after the season, maybe like the mid season, it looked like wow, he's really um, developing, and maybe we got something here. And then maybe like two thirds through the season, he just kind of fell off and. Man, he had a really rough stretch. Just the end of the season was was bad. He was like missing dunks and missing defensive assignments, and wasn't playing as much. And uh, yeah, just that consistency just was never there. No. And I feel like, obviously, you've got some uh, forwards coming in in this freshman class, but we don't expect them to contribute right away. And if there's conversations behind the scenes where it's like, yeah, look, we're in on like five or six big man transfers that if we get them they're going to come in and play 25 minutes a game i mean there was probably a spot for him to play 10 minutes a game as a backup big but if you can transfer to um you know a lower level conference and play 20 plus minutes a game and Mm -hmm. be a starter then i don't know you don't want to deny your guy that opportunity yeah which i think he's capable of that i think he could easily go you know average double digit points a game somewhere at a lower level where the the defense isn't as consistent or as athletic yeah and he's originally from france maybe he wants to go back to europe and uh, play professionally mm-hmm. and we don't even we don't know the scholarship situation so just, just don't even ask us about that <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute mess but dr is gone de gray is gone but we added a commitment from colorado state transfer john tonjay a uh, 6'5 wing, graduate transfer, one year of eligibility. He played four seasons at Colorado State and is uh, going to be a Missouri Tiger. Yeah, I really like this a lot. Um, you might have already mentioned this, but average 14.6 points per game, uh, almost five rebounds a game. So that's one thing that really stands out and to me as uh, a way that he can make a difference immediately at Mizzou. But, uh, yeah, he's a big guard. He's 6'5", 210, long arms. Uh, good shooter, almost 40% from three last season. So uh, really good scoring guard, physical, kind of go get rebounds. Honestly, Athletic. a great comp is probably Golston, like at least body-wise. They're pretty similar. Um, so I, one thing I loved about um, Tanjay's game that I, that I saw from him, and this is a pretty, pretty common clip that was going around, was him just kind of uh, driving into the basket, kind of assessing the situation, backs out a little bit to the perimeter, and then goes back in just for this huge dunk like great um kind of explosive athleticism and uh he's obviously a little bit older so he's got that experience under his belt i'm i'm excited about it yeah i kind of I love bringing in these fifth year guys just bring in two or three of those every year just about you mm-hmm. know and i feel like you can't go wrong and um yeah i feel like maybe uh slightly more athletic version of Golston perhaps um maybe a more efficient scorer doesn't need as many shots to to get going perhaps definitely not as clutch no there will never be a more clutch player than DeAndre Golston that's for sure and uh probably being never another player with as many like no 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 yes shots as DeAndre Golston 100 percent um, yeah, I watched some of uh, Tanjay's highlight videos, um, and yes, good spot-up shooter. I think that's he's doing his best work, just catch-and-shoot threes and then driving to the basket. 
Um, and he's also uh, 80% free throw shooter for his career. So and he's just super efficient. Like a true shooting percentage up there around 60%. That's, uh, that's really good. He can score from mid-range and finish at the rim through contact. I think we'll see him get a lot of and ones, get to the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was one thing that Missouri could have done a little bit better last year was was uh, a little more slashing, get fouled. Um, and I think that's something that Tanjay does really, really well. And hopefully he doesn't turn the ball over as much when he's dribbling in the lane. And something that I didn't see as much in the highlights was their highlights, and there still wasn't a ton of ISO. Like, there was a lot of ball screen action, a lot of slashing. Really, that one play with the monster dunk was the only one of few times that it was like a true one-on-one wasn't situation. wasn't like a manufactured play. Yeah, so I I like that. I would be okay with a little less ISO from the Missouri offense next year and a guy that can average 15 points per game in the flow of the offense without having to set up a isolation play just for him. Love that. So we got Tanjay and uh, who else are we in on? Who else have we made contact with in the transfer portal? Um, we talked about last week how you got to replace Des Moines Hodge's three-point shooting, which we do a little bit here. Uh, but really, we're replacing Golston's scoring and defense um, as far as like who he would guard. So I still feel like we're after a three-point shooter, which you could pretty much always take a three-point shooter in the portal. And we're after a big man, even more than before. Yeah, big man is like a non-negotiable. We are not going into the rest of the offseason without adding a big man. So let's start there. A familiar name on my list that we talked about last year is Jamarion Sharp. Welcome back. Seven foot five center. Everybody's a forward. You're not a seven foot five forward. You're a center. From Western Kentucky. He was in the transfer portal last year, returned to Western Kentucky, but I'm pretty sure that is nearly off the table this year because did Rick Stansbury get fired? He did get fired. Um, and I think they already hired their new coach. I don't know where he's from, but it did. I have heard reports that Western Kentucky is an option, uh, which it sounds like that might be like one of the differences from last year. It was like obviously there was a coaching change. Maybe he just wants to kind of assess his options, meet the new coach. Uh, he's also declared for the NBA draft, uh, so he's going to go through the process of that as well. So pretty much just every possible scenario is on the table for, for Sharp right now. And huge Mizzou connection because he played at John A. Logan uh, Junior College. So, and we have his former coach on our staff. D- last year, this was like, it was a done deal. Yeah, it seemed like it. I think we were willing to, to place bets it was going to happen. Uh, Jamarion Sharp and Adam Miller were going to be Missouri Tigers like this time last year. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you feel better about it this year? Worse? About the same? Who knows? I don't think I can feel better than I did last year. But it almost it. feels like... Like, okay, he's going he's gonna to yeah. make the right choice this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. If, if he stays in college, then I would guess Missouri's the favorite for sure. Um, he, he's gotten some attention from other schools. I know Arkansas is involved. They're involved with everybody. Uh, but you know, this, he, he's definitely not going to be like a big scoring threat. Um, he runs the floor pretty well, in my opinion, for someone who's seven, five, he takes five steps. He's at the end of the uh, other end of the floor, but, 
Um, he w- led the led the country in blocks, so he's very much just um, probably impacting the play more so just by clogging up the middle and and kind of affecting people's shots and getting rebounds and stuff more so than he's just lighting up the scoreboard. But I think that's you know probably goes a lot farther than maybe some people realize, like how how much that impacts the game. And I feel like Dennis Gates and company should be able to just show him like, look our entire defensive scheme like we're taking risks on the perimeter we want to either create a steal or funnel these guys right to you for a block shot opportunity Mm -hmm. so i feel like there's lots of tape if you got to that point in his recruitment where you could be like look we will design the defense around funneling guys to you at the rim to get block shots i feel like he's, he's a a guy like that is uh, obviously could fit in anywhere, right. but uh, the connection that would have covered yeah. up so much for Missouri's defense this past year. I know it is a little, uh, a little depressing thinking about like how good of a match that would have been last year. Yeah. Um, but it still makes sense in my opinion, assuming he doesn't get a surprisingly good grade from the NBA draft process. Cause I, I mean, yeah, he's seven five, but he's not a shooting threat whatsoever. He's not really a great match for the NBA game in my opinion. So I think he'll stay in college, and if he does that, then, yeah, I think uh, Missouri uh, has a really good shot. Uh, we haven't talked about everybody yet, but do you feel like he's the most likely big man? Like, are we thinking maybe before we talk again, will we have our starter at the five spot for next year? I mean, it's kind of impossible to know, but I guess I'll say no. Okay. I think it'll take up maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, I guess when some of these guys are involved in the draft process, that kind of stretches things out a little bit. I got a little excited because of uh, Tanjay just like... Yeah, I, I mean, Tanjay was not even a guy that was on my radar before he committed either. I mean, he just he uh, made... Yeah, entered the portal work. and just was immediately committed. Yeah. Okay, so we like Sharp. Welcome, welcome him with open arms. Uh, that would be really nice to uh, shore up a huge weakness from last year's team. Uh, uh, Three other big men that I have highlighted, uh, Caden Shedrick from Virginia. He would have two years of eligibility. Eddie Lampkin from TCU, also two years. And then freshman Kellel Ware from Oregon, three years of eligibility. He was formerly a five-star recruit. He's seven foot. All these guys are some form of more traditional big man playing the five spot blocking shots finishing lobs we're not really talking about any stretch fives that are going to be knocking down threes or anything like that which which missouri has so right that's kind of not a, a, a super big need which tells me that that they expect noah carter and potentially kobe brown to return yeah yeah the moves they're making it doesn't and maybe i'm just projecting a little bit of what i would want to see onto we sure. don't really know what exactly is going on behind the scenes other than when the players tell us that they've been contacted, but it does seem like they're acting as though Carter and uh, Kobe Brown are back. Yeah, and, and just looking for a traditional big yeah. that can someone can help on the boards. Yeah, so um, Eddie Lampkin, uh, TCU, obviously they were a pretty good team in the Big 12 this year, and uh, he actually like left the team before the end of the season. I'm trying to pull up his profile here. So he kind didn't of famously. 
Yeah. So there was a falling out between him and the coaching staff. And uh, yeah, it was kind of messy there. So he's a little, he's less efficient of a scorer um, than Sharp. I like that he has two years of eligibility left. And he is, uh, I don't know, he's like, he's a big fella. 6'11, 260 or something. Yeah. So he, he's uh, a bruiser. Could do work down low for sure. Uh, I don't know. Is there any of these guys that you want to spotlight in particular? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about a lot of these guys. Lampkin's probably the mo- the one I know the most about. Um, but, it, you know, Missouri was in contact with him early on. I think they're in there. Um, I've heard that Cincinnati is a big player as well for Lampkin. So um, I would say there's probably a better, sh- better chance that we have Sharp um, than Lampkin next year. And honestly, I might prefer that. But I don't know. I think either one of those guys probably help a lot on the interior, and we probably just need somebody that can do some of the things that they're going to do. But um, I don't know a whole lot about the other two guys that you talked about. Um, did you talk about you didn't? Uh, did you mention Mustafa? Oh no, I didn't. Uh, yeah, Mustafa is uh, forward from Coast- Coastal Carolina, who averaged twelve and ten, and it sounds like they have been in contact with him as well. Um, yeah, it was confirmed that they had a Zoom call with them or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we got to get one of these guys. I, I mean, I would be pretty shocked if we haven't heard the name of Missouri's starter at the five spot next year. I would be okay with who Who's the – has Missouri been in contact with the Wyoming transfer? I'm not sure. Um, Ike is his last name, yeah. I think. Uh, Average 19.5 points per game in 2021 uh i think he's got all the big boys on him so i don't know if missouri has made contact. sat out this last this past yeah. season with a foot injury or yes. leg injury yeah but he's probably one of the biggest um transfers on the market right now as far as uh who is after him so uh, he's probably not a fit for missouri but um never know just need somebody that can finish at the rim block shots and rebound that's that, is that too much to ask no absolutely not i'm just desperate for I'm desperate for Kobe Brown to get to play alongside a true five. Yeah, like a a true five that can pass out of a double team or maybe get receive a pass from a double team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need Kobe needs somebody on the other side of the paint from him. They can just catch the ball and immediately dunk it. Yeah. Um, now, if we look at guards a little bit here, the a uh, couple familiar names that I wanted to mention: Tamar Bates, uh, who Conzo was recruiting a few years ago. Uh, he committed to Indiana out of high school. He is transferring; has two years of eligibility. Never really did a ton at Indiana. Was serviceable for sure. And to be honest, I don't think he's a guy that comes in and commands starter minutes for Missouri necessarily. Um, if he's a good fit and works into the system well, then I could see it. But I could definitely see him being a contributor, you know, in the mm-hmm. top eight guys contributing for Missouri yeah. next year if he came home. Yeah. Um, tough guard, very good defender, uh, pretty long. Um, played a decent amount of minutes for Indiana. But, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to see where Bates ends up. I don't know if that's going to be Missouri, but um, haven't heard a whole lot about um, whether they've reached out to him or not. Yeah, 6'5", 200. Did he commit to Texas at one point in his commitment in his uh, recruitment as well? I, I feel like Texas was pretty heavily involved, at least. Maybe so. I can't remember. That was too long ago. Yeah, it was a, that was a while ago. Yeah, he may have committed to Texas originally and then uh, asked out of it. I can't remember, though. That sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, so he is, uh, I would say, more of a 
two guard probably but good size uh for defense i'd definitely take him if he wants to come back also a name that's very familiar to everyone is caleb love uh, flirted with the transfer portal last year went back to north carolina he's had an interesting career uh already and it feels like he's been in college for a little while now but he yeah. still has two years of eligibility yeah i think we thought caleb love might be a guy that could be a one and done player coming out of high school and now this is going to be what his fourth year in college yeah it's pretty surprising i think we would have been shocked if he told us that a few years ago it would have made me want him on mizzou even more yeah. um yeah we yeah he was like our most coveted uh, prospect ever maybe like on this podcast and he i guess missouri was technically second to north carolina in his recruitment that's what it sounds like yeah with Conzo Martin doing the recruiting. Right. But we've seen that before and sometimes yes. yeah, second. Right. How close was it? Might really? as well be 50th <laughs> when you lose out to Duke or North Carolina or Didn't Kentucky. Jason, Jason Tatum did something like that as well. Yeah. We yeah. were second to Duke oh, for him. That feels yeah. nice. With Kim Anderson recruiting him. <laughs> so that one seems a little bit fraudulent. Uh Caleb Love though. Uh, I want to talk about him a little bit more because so two seasons ago this this season's still happening we don't have a national championship yet but uh he just put north carolina on his back in march and took them all the way to the national championship game yes they beat duke in the final four he had a huge game winning three yes all tournament team and uh he came back you know it was kind of a big deal for him to come back to north carolina they were preseason number one team in the country and then he has like and historically inefficient year which he kind of did that his freshman year too right right just shot the ball a ton and didn't really make a lot of shots yeah the difference between his freshman year and this most recent season is his freshman year he played about 70 percent of minutes available this past season he played 87 percent of minutes we shooting like 30 mid 30s from two from two uh from two i have him at 45 percent okay still not great 40 percent in conference play 29 well i'll round up to 30 percent from three on 244 attempts whoa yeah that's a lot of usage yeah yeah so i mean i don't know the the reception to caleb love has been a little bit polarizing and i guess that makes sense if you look at some of those numbers they're not great they were super disappointing, like literally all-time disappointing. And you, like you said, <clears throat> was not Caleb Love's fault. Yeah, their team as a whole was. Baycott was terrible. Yeah. And he, again, was one of those guys where was like, I can't believe he's returning. They're going to be incredible. Yeah. And they were not. And, you know, I, I, there's been rumors come out about just kind of a, a lack of institutional control. It sounded like just not great accountability as far as the coaching staff goes. Sounds like there were clearly some issues, and there may have been even before this season because Caleb Love was, um, it sounded like he was kind of flirting with the transfer portal uh, this time a year ago, even after they went to the national championship game. So uh, clearly some extracurricular things going on in the background there. We don't know exactly what. Um, so I, I can understand why people might be like a little bit hesitant um, to, to add Caleb Love, but let me just assure you, I think... It, uh, with Dennis Gates coaching this team, I think he'd find a way to get the most out of Caleb Love. And I think that would be a pretty incredible match. He's very, very talented. He's exactly what this team needs to come in and um, just kind of replace that that shooter role. 
that Demoy Hodge was filling uh, very nicely um, before he graduated. So I don't know. I'm I'm all in on Caleb Love if he wants to come, and it sounds like Missouri is heavily pursuing him. Yeah, uh, you weren't completely off though uh, regarding two point shooting. Thirty five percent as a freshman, thirty eight percent as a sophomore, then bumped it up considerably to 45 percent this past year hmm. so that was like the only stat across all the metrics that improved for him uh worse assist rate uh worse three-point shooting uh, two years ago he shot 36 percent from free, from three so you take that every day yeah um can you imagine uh caleb love and isaiah mosley in the same yeah. starting lineup that would be that's some I, offensive firepower right there yeah but does it work with them both being so like ball dominant i don't know yeah i mean it I, would be really interesting i'd be willing to find out i'd be willing to find but out. but i'd be a little bit nervous about that aspect of it yeah you thought there's a lot of iso last year it'd probably be more but those two yeah. guys are incredibly talented though love does operate well handling the ball in the pick and roll mm-hmm. and if you get one of these big men that can finish lobs and if you have i would love to see you know i can just imagine a pick and roll with love bring the ball down and then he's got kobe brown noah carter you got tanjay out there you got some guys that can make shots from outside i just feel like he with his ability to get to the rim make shots from deep he's got nba range from three even if it's incredibly streaky he can knock down those shots. He can find the open man. That's probably just the best way to describe it. It's just he's just going to be streaky. Yeah. And I think volatility is can be good. Yeah, you need a little bit of that. You need somebody that can just go crazy and give you, you know, 25 points out of nowhere, give you, you know, 12 points in the second half, something yeah. like that. Going to have to rebound, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not known for his rebounding at the guard spot. Uh, Tamar Bates, though, pretty good rebounder yeah. as a guard. So did I forget anybody? I feel like we, we got the big names there that people are going to recognize. Yeah, those are the the main guys that I think Missouri, the, that Missouri is in on. Um, obviously, just like Tanjay, anybody can commit out of the blue. Yeah. But he, wouldn't, the, that, he wouldn't have been on our list. No. <laughs> we wouldn't, he wouldn't have been on our radar necessarily. Right. Okay, remind me, uh, did we watch – Caleb Love and Isaiah mostly play against each other. Was that the same year? Yes. They in we state? watched them play for the state championship. And yeah, that was Rockbridge with Mosley, um, Black and Harris. Yes. And Caleb Love was a junior and he was they had another guy that was like a forward, I can't really remember, but he was Caleb Love was the star of the show for C B C that year. Yeah. And uh Rockbridge kind of just put it on them mm-hmm. like they they looked so good and I remember at that time I, I guess Mosley was was that kind of like in that in-between stage where it's like we kind of thought yeah he's probably going to go to Missouri State yeah I think we he committed sure. to Missouri State like shortly after that yeah and the, maybe his two teammates may have already been committed to Missouri State I think so and then Harris goes to Kansas oh my um yeah that'll yeah Conzo, what were you doing there, buddy? Uh, anyway, yeah, we watched him play, and that was that was such a interesting reunion game to watch. Yeah, yeah, bring him bring him back home. I don't know. You'd have to be you'd have to be pretty bad f- for me personally if you're like 
a Missouri kid who had a pretty good recruiting pedigree. Yeah. If you want to come back home, almost just even for the perception of it. Exactly. Because like, now we're you're just never going to hear the end of it. Like whenever Mosley is one of the best scorers in college basketball at Missouri State. Yeah, and it's just like that's a classic like fan thing to be like. Oh, we're that's never something. forgive them. I do that every year though, where I go, okay, who are those guys? Who are all the guys from the state of Missouri that Missouri missed out on? What are they doing? Might they want to transfer? Yeah, it's it's kind of worth it to go looking at that stuff. Now. Yeah, exactly. It's I satisfying mean, every once in a while. Yeah, we've seen some reunions. It's like not that uncommon now, where it's like, all right, I I went to the the big school and I experienced that, and now I'm ready to come home and, and play for the, for the home school. Cam Fletcher still still at Florida State. He got yeah, hurt this past year. Fine. Yeah. I'll take him back. <laughs> I want them all back. Just like your sons. Yes. Bring them home. <laughs> uh, if Courtney Ramey had eligibility, bring him back. Bring him home. What's Cartier Gordon doing? <laughs> Nobody knows. Bring him home. <laughs> Not playing basketball, I don't think. I don't think so either. Yeah, Courtney Ramey caused us a lot of heartache over the years. Yeah. And I thought we were going to get to play him. Play against him? Oh, yeah. Oof. We played Princeton instead, Cameron. I don't remember that. I don't remember that okay, happening. Maybe not. Um, anything else here? What's anything else going on this week? How do, you've been enjoying this NCAA tournament? All these upsets? Yeah, it's been fun. It's absolutely insane. Like, yeah, it's so unpredictable. Oh uh, yeah, sign me up for this every single year. Like oldest it, tournament ever. We talked about that last week, mm-hmm. right, on the podcast. Oldest most experienced tournament ever probably the most that we'll ever see just because of the covid year but nil i think is contributing to that too so it's kind of flattening the landscape a little bit and man i love that the final four is featuring a nine seed versus a five seed yes and a five versus a four yes love that yeah but it is heartbreaking to look at san diego state sitting there and know that missouri to get to the final four would have had to beat Missouri to get to the national championship game would have to beat a 10 seed, a 15, a six, a five, and a nine. That will never happen again. Never. Although I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that we get this kind of tournament forever. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it would happen again. Probably more so. But yeah, this, this is something that probably will not repeat to this extent ever again. And then the championship game, you play a five or a four seed stars were aligning and then they just all fell apart yeah but uh yeah i mean good for fau nine seed making it in they're legit good yes and i and i think they were like 17th in kempom and yes and we knew that coming in that was the team i like ranked you said they deserved to be a seven seed they were the one i missed by two seed lines in the in the prediction thing you knew you knew what they were we knew they were good miami has been super fun to watch yeah, like high octane offense, three different guys that can put up twenty plus. Mm-hmm. And San Diego State's like opposite, like with their defense is yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's been a fun tournament. Yeah, I think uh, the first couple days of games, obviously the first round, just you know madness. Truly, yeah. love that always. But then the elite eight matchups are always super fun. I think mm-hmm. it's like we've really figured out who which teams are hot right yeah. now. Yeah, there was one night in particular where the, I think it was maybe Elite Eight games, maybe Sweet 16 games, where there was some really, really good ones all in the same night. Yeah, Miami, uh, I already said it, but Miami has been, I think, the highlight of the tournament for me. They've been in some of those later night games where mm-hmm. there's nothing else going on, so you turn them on, they've been fun. 
Who you got winning it out of those four? Give me Connecticut. I think oh, we, that's the easy pick. It is, but you know, we talked about them in the preview of the tournament, and I specifically mentioned them mentioned them as a team that I liked to potentially win the tournament. And they were a four seed. And before the tournament starts, uh, picking a four seed to win the tournament sounds a little dumb. Yeah. But I really do think they are one of the best teams uh, in the country. They were completely underseeded. And uh, I think they are actually number one on Kempom now. Yeah. And after. they had been earlier this year. Yeah. Then they were the number one in the polls at one yeah. point. Really balanced. They're, uh, uh, they're a system team, uh, Cameron Albert system team. Sonogo. Good at uh, good at offense and defense. Yeah. So. I think they got that all-conference type Good big coach. man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of the 25 brackets that ESPN allows you to fill out, UConn was the only team of these four that I had winning yep, the same. whole thing in any of the brackets. Oh, for sure. Should we talk about the uh, podcast bracket group real yeah, quick? Yeah. I kind of hate to do it. I mean, the scores this year on any of these bracket competitions <laughs> are just awful. really bad. Yeah. You can win a bracket group with like 700 points. Yeah. But the person winning the podcast bracket group right now is Ryan. So last week, Britt, from, uh, he is a, a Patreon supporter in the Discord, uh, he was leading it, fell off, just completely tanked. Uh, Ryan has jumped up to the lead. Welcome, man. And all that needs to happen for him to secure the victory is UConn not win the national championship. Right. Yep. There's one other person. Evan Evan is in third place currently, uh, and he picked UConn to win it. To yeah. win. So so if, if UConn wins, Evan wins the bracket group, and if anybody else wins, then it's Ryan. Um, we had like 50 or 60 in, like entries into the bracket group, so uh, pretty incredible feat to, uh, to win the bracket group. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, only only that one only evan picked yukon to win the whole thing lots of alabamas in there lots of alabamas <laughs> all right good luck ryan good luck evan we'll see you on the other side uh anything else to special thank you to our patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above Britt trees brian smith ryan demore tristan ben smith parker daddy jd tim keens tyler harsel Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Cooper Boyer, thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are on Twitter, at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. <laughs> you sound like you were singing that. <laughs> How high can you go? <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.